Hey, Colin. Hey, Scott. It's time for another Christmas movie. Let's do it. What we got? All right. I think that right now, in 1996, Mm -hmm. where we are, we take our hottest action hero, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. We put him in a family comedy Christmas movie with one of the hottest comedians today, Sinbad. Okay. And we write all sorts of jokes that are only going to be funny to people (laughs) who live in 1996, because it'll never get old. 1996 lives forever. That's Uh, right. No. I have notes. I have notes, too. Welcome to I've Have Some Notes. This is the uh, uh, the movie podcast where we take uh, laughable, painful, sometimes unwatchable Christmas movies and do our best to fix them. Uh, we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Financial. My name is Colin McIntyre. I'm Greg Beaver. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. And the movie we're doing today for you folks is the 1996, uh, quote, comedy, end quote, Starring, uh, as Scott mentioned up top, the hottest movie star at the time, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Jingle All the Way? Question mark? Uh, yeah, this is a fa- you know fam- family comedy. I keep wanting to say like rom-com, but it's not a rom-com. No. Not even a little. No. Yeah, but, uh, um, Unless you've been shipping Arnold in, in his <laughs> In, in fact, in, in parts, it is the complete opposite yeah. of that. <laughs> This um this uh, starred uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Sinbad, Phil Hartman, the late great Phil Hartman, uh, Rita Wilson, and also uh, famously Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah, young Darth Vader, Jake Lloyd. This is now uh, this was pre Phantom Menace, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I think so. Yeah, because uh, Phantom Menace was '99. There's a there's a couple other uh, notable comedians who are peppered throughout as well, including uh, uh, including I was. <laughs> Yeah, I was looking at the thing, and then he scrolled it away. But I was going to mention Martin Mull off the top. Uh, Jim Belushi is in this movie. And in one of his first ever movie roles, you would know him as Dr. Leo Spachemin from 30 Rock. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. In in one of the scenes that made me squirm and made me quite uncomfortable, the, the laughing scene, I guess, when they're all laughing at Arnold Schwarzenegger for not having... Uh, had the foresight to buy a Turbo Man in time. The uh, the amount of forced laughter in that scene just made me very very yeah. That was a lot of that was a lot of a lot of forced laughter. Um, yeah, this uh, this movie um, it, somewhat of a I guess people know of it just because it's the, I think it's the Arnold Christian or Christmas movie. Uh, but I would not call it a classic. Would you guys call it a classic? No, I, I think no. people remember it as a classic. It was Chris Parnell, by the way. It's oh yeah, Dr. Chris Parnell. Kevin. I didn't get <laughs> a chance to what? say that Calls before you guys jumped in. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think I think a lot of people uh, remember it from again the mid '90s, and maybe remember it more fondly than it deserves because it did not age well. Did it? Did it sort of gain notoriety as like a a bad movie, just like a like maybe. Because like I mean classic. we okay, so we've we've put Christmas movies up to vote a couple times on the on I have some notes Twitter. I think I believe we had uh, this we had Jingle all the way up last year, and it when, was a very close segment. when it lost to Die Hard two, correct? Yeah. Uh, and and then this year uh, it finally made the cut. 
but uh, I mean, it, it it came in second, so it is it is a well enough known movie that uh, the people wanted us to do it for reasons, I guess. I objected several times to putting this movie <laughs> on the list, and I was proven right because it's really hard to uh, like the key to fixing something is to want to bother to fix it in the first place, and this uh, comedies. When when comedies are bad, I find them especially miserable and difficult to get through. And uh, and and I was you know watching this going, oh, this isn't good. I'm not going to have much <laughs> for the show. I had uh, not seen this movie up until basically 24 hours prior to the taping of this podcast. <laughs> I'd only ever seen the trailer, and after watching the trailer and watching the movie, the trailer pretty much does a pretty good job. And you don't really need to see the movie. No. Uh, And uh, with that, let's actually cut to the trailer and actually take a listen to see what it sounds like right now. Every holiday season, there's one toy everyone has to have. I want the Turbo Man action figure with the arms and legs that move, and the Walter Warren jetpack, and the Boomerang shooter. Getting it is every child's dream. Whoever doesn't can be a real loser. Finding it. You got the doll, right? Is this father's nightmare? I'll get that toy. I promise. Whoa! Nothing like waiting till the last minute, Howard, sir. Especially on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Turbo Man, you're mine! They're all gone. These two are looking for a Turbo Man. <laughs> Where's your Christmas spirit? The last one just left. Now, it's two fathers. This is war. One mission. Oh, poor baby. (laughs) And every man for himself. I'm thinking maybe, you know, we could join up as a team. You know, like like Starskin Hutch. We're late delivery of Turbo Man and Toy Wars. Let's go. Meet Howard Langston, a salesman for a mattress company who's constantly busy at his job. And he also constantly disappoints his son, Jamie. After he misses his son's karate exhibition, he tries hard to come up with a way to make it up to him. Jamie says what he wants for Christmas is an action figure of television hero Turbo Man. Unfortunately for Howard, it's Christmas Eve, and every store is sold out of Turbo Man action figures. Now, Howard must travel all over town and compete with everybody else, including Mailman Myron, to find a Turbo Man action figure and to make it to the Wintertainment Parade, which will feature Turbo Man himself. Okay, so let's break this down the old scriptometer. So we'll do a 1 to 10 scale. Okay. Uh, so how broken is it? So if, it, if it's not broken at all, it's like a 1 or a 0, and that would be like your, your Empire Strikes Back or your Children of Men's or your, your, your really, really good movie. Okay. <laughs> and, and 10 is the most broken thing, the most broken script, like a Birdemic. Uh, where do you think this movie lands? Uh, I'm going to give it a 7.5. Yeah, I'd go pretty high. Probably, yeah, probably an 8. 7.5, 8. There's there's a lot, there's, there are some keepable parts of this movie, and I think that the, uh, the idea is sound, but I think there's just so much that goes wrong with it that it needs a lot of tinkering. Um, I think like on a, like on a story script level, it's like broken at about a 5 you know, it's sort of there. You know, you could you could probably make a decent movie out of this with a few tweaks. Uh, on a comedy level, it's totally broken out of ten. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Uh, like I, I knew we, I was in in trouble when the opening joke, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is uh, doing his business thing, making sales calls, and every call he ends with, "I'm you're my number one customer." 
and he does that over and over and over again. And then his wife calls. He tells his wife, you know, well, I'll meet you, yada, yada, yada. Remember, you're my number one customer. And that was supposed to be the joke. And I was like, oh, man. See, I see my my part where I kind of uh, kind of like gave up all hope and just fell into a pit of despair was actually later on. It was actually after so after the first sort of chaos shopping scene where they have like the big fight at the first big store, and then it's like the montage of him going to all the other stores and all like the the clerks like laughing in the face, laughing in his face, the clock spinning around. At that point, I'm like, wait, there's more movie after this. <laughs> like there's and like if there, by that point there was still most of the movie was left. It was like three quarters of the movie was left. I'm like, what? I'm like oh my, what are they gonna fill this with? Like what's what's gonna happen? Yeah, that, that was that was that was a dark moment. That was a dark moment. Yeah, I kind of felt like this. I I didn't really under I didn't really know where this movie was going with Sinbad. Like. He kind of, he kind of felt like he would, he, he would disappear from the movie just long enough for you for, to forget about him, and then he would show up again. And he'd be like, "All right, Sinbad's in this," and then he would just disappear again. And then come Sinbad, back. He, he was, he was very oddly where he's sort of, he's in most part he's playing himself because I think a lot of the lines is just Sinbad. He's some of his bits. It sounded like yeah, and he's and he's and he's part. And they kind of like they kind of cram them into this kind of this weird sort of like buddy their comrade relationship, and then it breaks apart. As soon as they, they're all, but they're still always fighting each other for the toy. Yeah. And I could never quite figure out, like, so what's exactly the purpose of this character here? Like, I, yeah, I had expected when he showed up first that they, you know, would be adversaries at first and then and then join forces and be friends the rest of the movie. But the, it didn't seem to want to do that. Greg is uh, jumping into one of my changes already. <laughs> we'll get to that later. Yeah, well, well yeah, I, I think we've, we're, he, we're all eager to get into the, into the changes. You know, I think uh, his... He was he's so intense. I don't know that much about Sinbad. Is he normally a pretty high energy guy? Uh, yeah, his yeah. his stand up yeah. was was he, like he was yeah, his, his stand up was pretty much the same. Like he's very very yeah, very high energy. Because it felt like the the tone of the movie would shift rather seismically when he would get on screen, you know, because like like Arnold Schwarzenegger is not necessarily I don't wouldn't say he's low energy, but you know, he's not he's not Sinbad energy, you know? So <laughs> yeah. like it, it was really a huge contrast, especially that first scene where Arnold first meets Sinbad and he's going on and on about this conspiracy about the toy company, right? And 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 he's just he's yelling and he's yelling and he's yelling and again it just goes on and on and on and yeah. on and he's just like he's yelling even louder and louder and I'm like, This guy's crazy and then that scene ends with like Sinbad like pretend choking a woman and I was like, What's happening? What's going on in this movie? Yeah. Uh, maybe let's uh, let's let's take let's let's do the the, the shortest uh, part of the uh, this episode. We're going to talk about what we're going to keep uh, in this uh, in this film. Uh, I actually have a few keeps. Okay, you have a few keeps. You I have, have a couple of them. Scott has keeps plural, ladies and gentlemen. That is true. Okay, so what are, what are your keeps? Uh, first and foremost, we are keeping Phil Hartman. We are completely changing his character. Okay, I'm okay. But okay. we are. But Phil Hartman is a gem, even if he doesn't have the greatest thing to work with here. And uh, anything with Phil Hartman in it, automatically thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, number two, we are keeping the set piece uh, where Arnold ends up fighting a warehouse full of mall Santas. <laughs> because that is legitimately great. And the big show as a giant Santa is also legitimately great. That's happening. That was big show. I was actually, I didn't look up to see who it was. It but is I was, indeed. But I'm like, there's the this big is some show. sort of wrestler. Yeah. He's that, he's that. Yeah. But I, uh, I have, a, I have a, like, I have actually have a change for that particular Santa set piece that I, that would make it, I'm, I'm okay. Would with, actually make it funnier. And I'm okay with changing it. Yeah. But the fight with the mall Santas has to happen. 
And uh, I did like the the Big Show's line where he, he comes up and he's, he takes off his Santa jacket and he's like, "I'm gonna deck your halls." <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, and I I like the climax the movie builds to. I I don't like the journey we get to get there, but I kind of like the idea that it all comes to head at the parade. I kind of like Howard ending up as Turbo Man mm-hmm. and Myron ending up as Dementor. Because it it's kind of like it's the culmination of their battle up to that point. Yeah, yeah. And I th- I think that that is is well done. Again, I think there are changes that can be. I think that there are parts of that scene that don't work, and there are changes that need to happen. But I like that that's what it builds to. And I think that if we if we change some stuff in the movie, and we're going to we're going to change a lot of stuff in this movie. <laughs> yeah. That that still has to be the end point. Yeah. Because I I think that it it. It's good. I thought it was good. Okay. For the most part. Again, there are parts of it that, like, the the stupid jetpack slapstick goes on way too long, for example. But, and and that's kind of, Greg kind of even mentioned it, too, with with, uh, Sinbad's uh, introduction as Myron, where it just keeps going. And there's a lot of jokes in this, jokes, quote unquote, (laughs) in this movie, where it's like, it was funny, and then you kept going, and now it's not funny anymore. And why is it still happening? Oh, God, please make it stop. Yeah. I disagree with that slightly in that I feel it was not funny and then it <laughs> kept going on too long. Yeah. Well, <laughs> was and there, there, the are some, there are some cases of that, too. But even where jokes are funny, uh, they they linger on it and they belabor it to the point where it's just like, you've it's dead. It's dead. Just stop. Stop kicking it, please. Yeah. For the love of God. For sure. The joke is dead. Yeah. Greg, I, are you keeping anything in this? Um, I think I liked the the opening sequence with uh, Turbo Man in the Power Rangers esque TV show. <laughs> that was kind of fun. F- fighting fighting a group of of Power Rangers esque Power Rangers. Yeah, it's in multicolored like, <laughs> like uh, suits. Yeah, it's a good intro to the movie. Like because uh, Turbo Man's so central to the plot, introduces you to who he is, and and uh, and it makes for kind of a interesting contrasty. Uh, credit sequence because it's all done in the action font rather than something that you would expect would which would be like a Christmassy font or something like that. So so that subverted my expectations a little bit. So I didn't mind that. Uh, the only thing so the only thing I would keep well, other than keeping Phil Hartman, I think I would keep the whole cast, uh, but I do have, have some changes. I I would keep I kind of like just the the basic two line premise of the movie. About just uh, yeah, like the uh, the idea of, of trying to go out, a, a movie about the absurdity of go rushing out at the last minute to get a certain item or a toy, um, because I think that's when you when you look at read the IMDb and the Wikipedia, they keep referencing that as sort of like it's it was it was they wanted to sort of be a satire of the the craze over the tickle me elmos and cabbage patch dolls and that sort of stuff. It didn't feel like a satire. It was just more of just uh, just a big old mess. But I mean, I feel I feel like I feel like somewhere in this, there's a movie that you can make that actually has a little bit of of uh, well, for one, funny. So <laughs> because yeah, for most kids, it wasn't really funny, uh, but also have a little bit of heart to it as well, and kind of make it like I think I think every Christmas movie. Rightly or wrongly, always has a little bit of schmaltz put into it, and I think that's. I think people expect that, and they kind of 
uh, you know, I kind of I like that in my Christmas. Yeah, Christmas. you you kind of want to have like get 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 a little bit of the warm and fuzzies uh, into it. I don't think that's there in this movie, and I think there's a lot of reasons why. But there's definitely an attempt in the conclusion. But yeah, yeah but it kind of but it kind of fall, falls flat. But I think yeah. that was that would be the like I said I would I would I guess I would keep the cast because I don't want to re, re, recast anybody, even Darth Vader. Uh, but uh, uh, AKA Jake Lloyd. But yeah, there. But there's. I, I feel like there's almost as far as cuts. I feel like there's almost too much I would cut. But I think it'd be easier to even just to just to go into changes. But is anything? The only thing I would cut right off the hop uh, is, uh, and this this is a bit of a teaser on my changes. But like, I would remove the part of Phil Hartman's character that makes him a sexual predator. Yeah, because that, that, to, that took a really dark turn. He uh, needs to be a thousand percent less rapey in this. Yeah, and, please and thank you. And that is like number one on my cut list as well. Like, did, did that whole sequence play as comedy? In the mid '90s, like seriously, because oh, yeah. it is, he is super rapey in this movie in a way that's really gross, actually. Yeah, I think this is this is a pretty good example of like how how times change and how our perspective changes. Because you know, I, I'm willing to bet that I, if had I watched this movie in 1996, I didn't. <laughs> but had I watched it, I probably wouldn't have batted an eye at that scene. You yeah. might not have found it funny, but you wouldn't have thought it was. Weird. Yeah, you would have just yeah would have just kind of yeah lost. You would have glossed over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thankfully, we're in we're in a different space now. Yeah, so at least we're getting there a little bit. Yeah, there's a there there's I think there's even there's a couple of other kind of moments like in sort of like how you know the times have changed sort of thing and about how like. You know, Sinbad making the joke about having an explosive device in the mail, and it's and it blows up. That and was just really kind of like, weird. Everyone's yeah. like, "Oh gosh, that was sort of a cartoony thing." Like that's probably not a thing anymore. And, and, and again, uh, again, following the theme of like going too far with it, like that the the parcel bomb gag didn't happen once; it happened twice. Yeah. <laughs> And the first time he was only threatening a radio station. The second time he was threatening a shitload of cops, yeah. <laughs> a bunch of armed police, yeah, men. police officers. Uh, and yeah, that was that was a scene that was cringeworthy as yeah. well, especially in light of modern society. Yes, yes. that's yeah. also a sign of the changing times because, like, generally speaking, postal workers are not considered to be like unhinged. You know, go, like the the term "going postal" isn't really a thing anymore. Yeah. 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 They're the stalwarts of society. Uh, as we were joking in the pitch for this movie, 1996, the humor will never get stale. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I guess, uh, do, I guess, I've, is there anything else even would, would, would cut uh, kind of automatically? I, I would actually. Oh, I have a minor cut, but okay. you go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. Okay. So I wanted to just mention this because it, it butts up against Scott's keeps, and I, and I actually want to cut. Uh, Phil Hartman entirely. What? Because <laughs> a Scott just put I, up his Dukes like nineteen. I actually found him almost. I, I found his. I found him almost intolerable in this film. Like he was so obviously smarmy and uh, and honing in on uh, on Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife uh, that like it it just like there was nothing funny about it. Um, and I didn't I didn't enjoy his performance at all. And I actually think if you if you roll his character and Sinbad together into one, then you're able to, uh, then you're able to make this a little bit more of a smooth film. Uh, 
Much like you convinced me to keep Venom in Spider-Man 3, I'm going to make a solid argument that'll have us keeping <laughs> Phil Hartman in this movie. Oh, boy. We're going to get it. But again, he's going to be a thousand percent less rapey. Cool. Uh, um, I, I would like to say, actually, that um, when, you're making, when you're making a Christmas movie, I think that... Uh, I think that in the back of any filmmaker's mind is I'm trying to make a classic Christmas movie. I want to be the next It's a Wonderful Life. I want to be the next uh, uh, Christmas Vacation, the next Christmas Story, the next like Christmas yeah, movie that, that people for decades are going to be like, it's, it's December, it's, yeah, I'm wrapping some it. presents, we're popping it in. And I feel like... At the heart of this movie, there is an idea that could be a timeless Christmas movie. The desire to get that perfect gift at the last minute. And unfortunately, because the movie is so mired in the weird pop culture of its time, that it it falls short. And I mean, that's that's beyond even just the fact that it's not a terribly funny movie at all. Uh, but I feel like it's, it's, we keep going back to it's so 1996. Like it's so, it's such a snapshot of, of its time period that it aged poorly and it's not timeless, even though I think the, the central premise could be. Oh, for sure. And that's kind of a shame, really, almost. It's just, it's, it was. It was poorly executed. I've almost, you almost feel like like they were so addicted to kind of putting as much slapstick and put Arnold in as much slapstick, kind of weird physical comedy in there as pot. Like like they never let up. Like it's almost yeah, I, they, they just they just they just beat you over the head with it and it never stops and just kind of like let's just relax a little bit here for a second. Yeah, I think they were relying on that pretty heavily. Um, just just the fact that it's it is Arnold Schwarzenegger and and you don't expect him to be in a slapstick comedy and that is the joke in and of itself yeah right and i mean that's kind of a means to an end in a comedy because a when it when like you say scott when it gets removed from its time it's not going to be very funny anymore yeah because you know we've now know that arnold's been in lots of funny things and yeah you know, so we can do that just fine but um it also gets pretty repetitive and uh, the joke it loses; it's a lot of diminishing returns. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna posit um, a comparison here that Nathan Martin, longtime listener of the show, will very much appreciate. I'm gonna put up Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> against The Rock right now, because The Rock has been in a lot of comedy movies. He is a very good comedic actor. He's a very good physical comedic actor, and he's known for being The Rock, for being a tough guy, like action guy. Yeah. Um, do you feel when you see The Rock get cast in a comedy movie these days, like, oh, the joke's old. He's being cast against type. Or do you go, The Rock's going to be really funny in this movie? And I kind of feel like, at least in that time frame, like that's the same time Kindergarten Cop came out, that's the same time that True Lies came out. Yeah. Arnold was demonstrating that, yeah, he could be in a, he could carry a comedic role. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I'm, I kind of disagree with you on that point. I don't know that that's... I don't know that it was necessarily seen as stunt casting at the time. I think there was maybe an element of it, wouldn't it be funny if Arnold Schwarzenegger was like the bumbling slapstick dad? But I don't think that it was... I don't think that it was stunt casting in that the directors felt that he couldn't do it. I think think you're probably right. I I think um, there's also the possibility that 
um, the writers and um, uh, and casting director and producers didn't really understand that that because he had already been in a bunch of comedies that that joke didn't work anymore. Uh, that's, and that's possible. I'm yeah. just I'm chalking it up to incompetence. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, and like I think I think to yeah to to Scott to Scott's point even about about like about the Christmas classic I mean the 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 bit of trivia I always, I always like to reference is, is I'm sure everyone knows you know the peanuts the peanuts Christmas yep. special uh, the peanuts Christmas special was made in ni- first aired in 1965 so talk about you know so if, yeah so if you can get that timeless Christmas something rather it'll play forever and a day well and I noticed while you were searching for Christmas movies you brought yeah. up Home Alone 1990. Yes. Yes. Um, which is considered a timeless Christmas classic. Yeah. And I would say that it's still very much a product of its time, but it it's not so mired in the pop culture and the jokes about that no. time period that it dates itself quite as much. No, and the re- the, re- the reason I brought it brought it up too is because I felt as I was as I was watching Jingle All the Way, uh, that it felt it felt like they, they took like that like all of the the slapstick parts of Home Alone and just they just made that the movie, right? Whereas Home Alone's not Home Alone is famous for those scenes and like the with breaking into the house, but they're actually a very small portion of the actual movie. Yeah, the the movie's about missing yeah. your family on the holidays. Yeah, right? exactly. Right, and and it takes a pair of burglars trying to invade the family's home to make yeah. Kevin really realize how much he misses his family yeah. on the holidays. Yeah, because at the beginning of his journey is from the beginning of the movie, my family's gone. I can do whatever yeah. I want. To oh my god, I wish my family was here. I need help. Yeah, and and to the realization that I I really miss my family and I wish they were here with me. Yeah, yeah. and that's the the burglars and the slapstick are part of that journey. And in this movie, there's no journey. Yeah, there's yeah there is <laughs> the, no. You're the, not going anywhere. Howard does not grow as a character. No, in, this movie. He, no. in fact, he he bumblefucks his way into uh, solving the uh, the the Turbo Man plot. By accidentally getting uh, thrown into the turbo yeah, man by walking in through the, the wrong door at the wrong yeah, time, yeah, he made no he made no real decision to uh, to resolve his uh, selfish ways, and uh, and somehow in the end he kind of like you said before we started recording he failed upward yeah, into victory yeah. Uh, I have I have two little superficial cuts. Number one, I would cut the title because it is it actually connects to the movie in no way, shape, or form. <laughs> There's nothing jingling. There's, there's, yeah. There's no reason. Yeah, you this could, movie you could have been called Turbo Man. You, you could have called it anything. The, the, the part, of the title, like, kind of just makes me angry because it's basically just, hey, Arnold Schwarzenegger Christmas. What do we call it? Oh, it's called it Jingle. Let's just throw a Christmas thingy on top of it. Slap it on there. Put it in the oven. Whatever. The other thing, and this is this is a grape about watching. Uh, uh, this is this was also bug. This bugged me in Home Alone when I was when I was uh, I was a young lad, and it bugged me in this movie too about. When you're shooting scenes in winter and most of the characters are running around with their jackets undone, I don't understand it. Do up your coats. It's cold outside, even if you're shooting in Minneapolis and it's not super cold. But yeah. And there's barely snow on the ground. There's barely snow on the ground, but people are wearing toques and hats, and but their parkas are wide open. Drives me crazy. Do up your coats, people. Don't get it cold. That would be my cut. So all you American casting directors or all your, your production people, like just let them do up their coats. There's zippers there. Zippers are good. That's why they're there. I have a question. Sure. Would you, would you cut the reindeer out of this movie? Uh, well, yes. But that's is it, mainly is it, because of the changes I have yeah. in mind for Phil Is Hart. it not the weirdest thing that he decided to get a reindeer for his son for Christmas? That is- 
Like, who would know uh, it's, it's in keeping? It's in keeping with the characterization that they're trying to give him, uh, which is in itself like too hard. failing. Yeah. Uh, that he is trying too hard. And then, I mean, in the existing movie, the reindeer plot goes somewhere in that it helps get Harry caught when he's trying to break into Phil Hartman's house. Yeah. Um, and then he sucker punches the reindeer, which admittedly kind of funny, not going to lie. Uh, but and then sharing yeah, no. a beer in, with the reindeer afterwards. Yeah, certainly in my version, there's no reindeer because there's yeah. no need for the reindeer fights. So. Uh, I think uh, if uh, if anyone's got anything to add, I think we're eager to get into the changes here. Let's take a break. Let's gather our thoughts. Whew. Let's go. Uh, yeah, have yeah. some eggnog. Let's go have some eggnog. <laughs> In the latest episode of Otherwise, the host examines Edmonton's diverse black communities. Despite being viewed by larger society as one cohesive, monolithic group of black people, there are contrasting lived experiences in the internal dynamics of these local communities. Download the episode at otherwiseshow.com. Welcome back to I Have Some Notes. Special holiday season uh, spectacular. Uh, We're going to take the movie you guys requested that we do for the podcast, Jingle All the Way, and fix it because it's a terrible, terrible movie. And it's a what rating did we give it on our uh, terrible uh, movie? I think we kind of averaged out a six. Yeah, as for, as to how it's how broken it is from a scale of one yeah. to ten. Well, we're gonna try to fix it. Okay, yeah. we'll, we'll bring go. it up to a solid seven. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, there are there are a few things I think that can happen that would improve this movie substantially. Sure. So, uh, if you if you want to indulge me to go first, because I, I know am that happy you both to indulge you, you have the conch. You guys haven't been uh, sitting on this movie as long as I. Have, no, this because I true. actually saw it over the weekend. Oh gosh, um, I've been ruminating I'm, over it over for the over. I'm last having hour. my memory wiped after this podcast. <laughs> uh, well, maybe you won't have to because we'll have improved the movie. And okay. You can have the memories of our the, the <laughs> fake memories of our fixed. Movie. Oh, good. Okay. Um, the first thing I think is that. Howard needs to be a much more sympathetic character. Correct. I agree. Um, at the moment, he's basically the dad from Liar Liar. Yeah. Uh, in that he's just a deadbeat dad. And there is very little in the way of redeeming quality. Like, it's kind of set up almost at the moment. Like, if he doesn't get this toy, it's over. Like, yeah. his marriage is over. His son never forgives him. Yeah. Like, the stakes are that high. And, and oddly superficial, too. Yeah, and I feel like we need to pull that back, number one. And number mm-hmm. two, he needs to be more likable off the yes. top. He needs to be kind of an okay dad who just forgot to get the toy for you his need, son. You need to be able to relate to him on some sort of level. Yeah. Can, can I also add that he should not become a straight-up criminal? No. He, in, in my version, <laughs> he will not do that. <laughs> he should not threaten a bunch of cops with a bomb or, or, or rather assist aid and abet someone who is threatening uh, uh, cops nor, with nor a, with break a into bomb. and uh seriously damage his neighbor's house yeah uh, yeah <laughs> to steal a toy from a child that is not also something that he should yeah, at that point he's just like nah i mean i threatened some cops with a bomb earlier today i might as well just go steal the toy from my neighbor and whatever uh those are things that he should not be doing in this movie um, likewise, though, I feel Myron should be more likable and relatable too. <laughs> yeah. And I and I feel that if if you get more time with Myron, you can do that. And the way that I think that that happens is that Act One of this movie is Howard is setting up Howard 
setting up that Howard forgot to get this toy for Jamie, the the one toy that he wants, the toy that everyone wants, and that is completely sold out. Yeah. And going through the first the first couple steps of trying to get it by himself. And we get introduced to Myron at this point, again, when he goes to the first toy store. Yeah. And Myron and Howard are butting heads at that point. But then Act 2, after, uh, after the mall Santa dust-up, uh, Howard gets to the diner, he encounters Myron again, and that's the point where they actually do team up. Mm-hmm. And they join forces because Myron's like, look, dude, w- going this alone is clearly not working for either of us. So if we pool our resources and we work together, maybe we can find uh, some of these toys. And Howard, because he's a nicer guy in this version, <laughs> is like, you know what? You're probably right. Okay. And now in Act 2, we've got the two of them together. And uh, that gives us more time to get to know Myron. And I think Myron, is, while likable, is contrasted from Howard because he actually is kind of a dad who doesn't have enough time for his kids because he's always out delivering the mail who does his his relationship is on the rocks he's worried that if he doesn't get this toy like it's the end for him dad's kicked to the curb and that kind of fuels howard's paranoia a little bit and there's a reason why howard's getting paranoid and why howard is fixating on this and we're going to get to that in a minute too um and then their partnership comes to an end when they find out that there was one toy left but it was donated to the parade and it's going to be given out at the parade. And they're that, like, that's a smart fix. And they're at that point, they're like, at that point they mutually betray each other because at that point okay. it's like, it's every man for himself. We know that there's one toy and we know where to get it. And they like turn each backs on each other and just start running down opposite sides of the street. And it's just understood at that point that they're at odds. Yeah. And that leads to the parade confrontation. Sure. And you don't have Harry, as you put it, bumble his way into it because in this version, he knows there's a toy at the parade. He's looking for that toy. And when he goes to like the staging ground and he starts asking around, I'm looking for the turbo man. People, people take one look at him and go, you're the turbo man guy. Come with us. And he's like, I don't understand what's going on. And then he's put in the turbo man costume and pushed out into the parade, but he has more agency in having gotten there. Yeah. And so it's not just an accident. He, it's a misunderstanding, but he was he was pointed at the parade for the reason of getting the toy. Yeah. And then he's in a position to get the toy. And then you still have the showdown with him and Myron. And you still have Jamie give the toy to Myron. So Myron gets his win. And Howard's win is learning that the toy wasn't as important. Right. That Jamie was okay without getting it. But I have a way for Jamie to get the toy too. <laughs> Phil Hartman. Okay. Ted is Ned Flanders in this movie. He is the perfect neighbor. He is the guy next door to Howard who has the perfect Christmas. Yeah. And, the per- and he's putting the perfect Christmas together for his son. And he always seems to be, everything seems to be going Ted's way. And Howard, at the beginning of the movie, is looking at Ted jealously and finding himself coming up short. And so that's the reason why he's fixated on getting this Turbo Man doll. Because, of course, Ted got the Turbo Man doll months ago. And it's, it's, Comparing himself to Ted, who's the perfect dad, right, and to Myron, who's a terrible dad, you've got two foils who are driving him more and more insane. His own worst enemy in this movie is himself, mm-hmm. as he gets as he gets more and more desperate to get this stupid toy. That in the end, it turns out didn't really matter all that much. So he has a character arc. Okay, and then if you want, that character arc could end with him 
at the end of the movie, Ted being like, you know what? My son often breaks his toys, so I actually got two Turbo Mans. If you want one, just say the word, man. And Howard can legitimately be like, oh, it turns out Ted's actually a really nice guy. Mm -hmm. And I've been hating on him for no reason. Right. And because Ted is a thousand percent less rapey in this version of the movie. Yeah. uh, That works. And, And Howard's journey comes to an end. And he gets rewarded for... You know, realizing that okay. Ted's okay and that he doesn't need to compare himself to Ted by getting the toy for his son. Those were my fixes for the movie, basically, in a nutshell. Uh, well, I like no, no, it. And, and this oh. is fine. This is sure. this is me spitballing it all out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I feel that this works better structurally because we get more time with Myron. Yeah. I feel like it sets up Myron and Ted both as different... Uh, different foils for Howard, who's our main character. Yeah. I think Howard really needs to be, I, I do agree that he needs to be getting more desperate and crazy as the movie goes on, but that's because he's his own worst enemy in this movie. It's not that Myron's his enemy. It's not that Ted's his enemy. Howard is Howard's enemy. And I feel that it also gives him more agency because if he's teamed up with Myron and then they find out where that toy is going to be, he's going to the parade for a purpose. And he ends up in that float for a reason and right. not just because mm-hmm. yeah. stuff is happening. I quite, I quite like that part where it's, yeah, it's not like he's just like, yeah, literally just stumbling into things yeah. haphazardly. And, and, in this, and we still get that nice climactic Turbo Man versus Dementor uh, bookend, which is how the movie also had started with Turbo Man versus Dementor. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, those those are my well, structural fixes. Both Greg and I were queued up. So, Greg, uh, I'll, I'll let you. What what uh, what do you want to add or, or remove from Scott's face? Scott, uh, I have some notes on your notes. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> this is a collaborative process. Uh, I was just starting things off because I had well, the chance to sit on it. I think uh, Phil Hartman's character has all the motivation in him already built in to want to be in the competition for the Turbo Man doll. And the reason for that is that um, while seeming like a perfect dad because he's trying so hard, he actually has also missed an opportunity to, to get the Turbo Man doll as well. So, like, his, he's, he's trying just as hard as uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is, as Howard is, to get the Turbo Man doll. And in the process, the two of, the two of them... Uh, sort of become buddies and you know Howard is jealous of him because of what a perfect dad he seems like but then when he gets underneath the surface he starts to understand that like he has flaws as well or in in my version it would be it would be Myron they would he Myron would be Howard's neighbor and that's that's the the sort of kickoff to the whole story right I don't mind having Ted as part of the competition but I think that he needs to be separate from Myron I like the idea if if Howard's our focal character He's, at least initially, set up against a deadbeat dad and a perfect dad and finds himself comparing himself to both of them. And I, I maybe even like the idea more of during Act 2, maybe while they're all working together for a while, for him to realize that Myron's not just a deadbeat dad. He's got facets that humanize him. And Ted's not a perfect dad. He's got facets that humanize him. And he realizes, and, and part of Howard's journey then is to realize that Oh, we're kind of all the same. We're all kind of in the same boat. We're just people trying to do well by our sons. Yeah. And and I think that, that by making them both more sympathetic as well, that might work. Yeah. I don't mind that. Yeah. I don't mind that change, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of – I like that Howard sort of is discovering that his neighbor isn't as perfect 
as as he thought yeah. he was, and I kind of like that journey. Now I don't know if that if it if that's marrying necessarily to Howard's journey overall particularly well, but that's that's one thing that I that uh, while I was watching the movie, I thought that would be more interesting. Well, it can though because if if Howard's comparing himself to these two dads, and he's looking at Ted as perfect, and then he finds out maybe. It seems like Ted's got Christmas all wrapped up, but then during Act Two, he catches Ted like trying to get one of the last turbo yeah, yeah, yeah. and realizes, "Oh, you're just you're in the same boat as we are." Yeah, and then he realizes maybe Ted's not that much better than me. At the same time that he's realizing that he's looking down at Myron like, "Oh, look at that terrible dad," and then realizes, "Oh, he's not actually as bad as I thought he was." Yeah. So part of the journey is is finding. Is is him himself relating to these two other guys? Yeah, who he couldn't relate to at first. Yeah, perhaps towards the end, or or maybe when they're at their lowest point, we get a, a speech from Ted just telling <laughs> Howard, you know how how hard he had to work just to get to the point of being the dad that seems perfect, right? Or he could even reveal that he always looked at Howard and thought he was the perfect dad. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, uh, as you say, the, um, Howard's much more likable, so maybe he's having a lot more fun with his with his son, whereas Ted s- plays the perfect dad, but, but his kid kind of rejects him a lot. Like, he, like, his kid, he gives his kids all these things, but his kid doesn't seem that enamored with all this stuff. And maybe it's because Ted is trying so hard, that because works, he's divorced. Yeah. yeah, you know, and that works really well because, like, then then you have then you've got themes of like um, um, the greed of getting the toy versus not getting it. Like this, you got this this kid who really wants the toy, and then you've got a kid who's like he gets so many toys that he's just like disinterested in whatever toys that are being placed right in front of him. So you get that yeah. kind of like you know that that dynamic going on. Yeah, like in in my my fix is kind of like. Um, uh, they kind of borrow – it's funny. I've had kind of similar ideas to both of you but in different ways, but I kind of like how we're, where we're going. Before you jump sure. in, I think if in our new version where all three of the dads are in the competition, I think then that the, the end point of the journey really has to be Howard gets the toy because Ted uh, lets – Ted basically is like, you know what? Uh, he comes to the realization that he doesn't need it. Because it's not going to win his his son's right. love, yeah. and he needs to he needs to uh, change his approach to fatherhood, and that's kind of the end of Ted's journey. Howard gets the toy, but then Jamie gives it to Myron because Myron is the one who actually needs the toy, uh, and Howard realizes that, and and Howard part of Howard's growth is realizing that Jamie didn't really need it either. Right. Like he might have yeah. wanted it, but Jamie's a good enough kid because he was raised well enough to realize that maybe Myron's kids wanted more. So, and Jamie's okay with that. So, and of course, his dad is Turbo Man now. So, so he's sort of like, in, in a way, jettisoning, jettisoning some of the, the absent father stuff. And rather, uh, just the he's more self-absorbed and, he, and he's, he's always worried about competing with other people. I think that that's a better way to go. Maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And that, that sets him up better against both Myron and Ted in that case. Obviously, if yeah. Ted's so part of the final climactic showdown, Ted's the one in the booster suit, right? Yeah. He's the one that's the pink tiger. Yeah. <laughs> so he's more, like, Howard's more absent in the, because, uh, just because, you know, he's so wrapped up in trying to, you know, be the best dad or, or compete with his neighbors or whatever. So that's how he, be, that's how he's creating a division between him and his son. Oh, Myron should be their mailman too. 
Oh, yeah. Just so that there's that little initial connection between yeah, yeah, all yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Right. So he doesn't just show up in the middle out of nowhere yeah. and start ranting. He should definitely not rant about conspiracies of toy companies and stuff like that. It was That was a very weird scene. I'm okay if he does that, but maybe not as long and with better context. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I would... Uh, I'm I'm fine kind of uh, – my original thought was actually was something that Greg had mentioned earlier in the first half where actually you take you take Ted and you take Myron and you actually merge them in together into one character. Uh, you've changed my mind off of that but because my thought in doing that was, was to make him the perfect neighbor and have uh, – which we've, we've already gone through anyway. My change for Howard because we went to went to about how do we make him a little more likable – uh, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take. You know, I'm uh, my 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 day job is actually a salesy person, much like Howard's is. So then the one thing I noticed right away is that. So here he is. He's a, he's 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 working on December 23rd, whatever else is having the Christmas party. But he's working very gleefully, and so and I feel like the when you meet Howard, like you never relate to him, and he's not likable because he's yeah, because he's just sort of. He's he's kind of he's almost almost like happy in his ignorance doing what he's doing despite what he's doing to his he's family. He's happier at work than he is with his family. Yeah. So so here's my tweet and maybe this and, and maybe we we uh, I we steal a little bit of Charles Dickens from here because it would seem to be that he's actually doing pretty good at his job. I would actually have it so that he's maybe not doing quite so well at his job. So maybe not to the point where he's going to be fired. But maybe he's working on December twenty third, and maybe because the boss, like, hey, Myron, you gotta be performing a little bit better. So he's desperately trying to get, you know, get his get his numbers up, hit his quotas, that sort of stuff. That's why he's been a little absent. That's why he's had all this pressure at work. That's why his Christmas lights aren't up because that's, he's putting in extra hours. And at that's work. why he forgot to pick up the turbo. That's why he's yeah. Be so, uh, and I feel like, and again, this com- coming from this sort of background, like you know, when you have that extra pressure, it does it puts pressure on you. It kind of uh, just, you know messes up the family a little bit. That sort of stuff. And I feel like you know maybe you throw in a, like a, an evil kind of like angry sort of boss character that's sort of his foil or whatever. Yeah. Even just at the start, but I feel like if you have that. That sort of you, you take him from being from a guy who's like he's just happily working on December twenty third and and leaving it to last minute to go see his 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 son's karate class to like okay he really wants to do these really good things but you know the circumstances of, of where he's at is you know kind of yeah, create, creating the, creating some it's more, issues there. It's more sympathetic when he he can't <clears throat> he can't be there because of you know outward pressures and reasons yeah. right rather yeah. rather than him just deciding that he doesn't want to be there or, yeah that he's just just happily at work while everyone else is is partying and his you know his secretary is saying hey you got to get going he's like no why am i'm selling all these mattresses yeah. this is great that and, sort of and stuff that kind of little story about his work helps to i think would help flesh out his character a little bit more yeah. because you don't really you only really get one scene in this movie with him working and, and that's supposed to establish that like oh he's a workaholic he doesn't you know well and i think that also uh, sorry scott the, the, i think that also sets up that if we've if we've established that ted is now like he's just the ned flanders perfect neighbor that sets up that yeah that little bit of that animosity is just like geez here's ted who's got the flawless house He's putting uh, up my Christmas now, lights he, for is me. He, is he still divorced in our version, or is sure. he? I think I think that works because if he's if he's being a tryhard to his kids to the point or to his kid uh, to the point where his kid doesn't really respect him. Okay, it it works better if it's because he's a single dad. Okay, fair enough. I, I my original thought was would would be to keep him have that 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 you know Howard when Howard looks at Ted. He Ted has everything. He's got the happy families. His kids are satisfied. But then, as as obviously they get to know each other, finds out that 
you know, that's not quite there that, yeah, Ted obviously shows his affection just with just lavishing them with gifts of reindeer and all that other stuff. But um, also, yeah, but either way, I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool. If you want to keep him divorced, that's that's okay. because because we've now established that Ted has no Turbo Man doll. Uh, that also means that Howard has no reason to break into Ted's house. So yeah. that is that is a scene that's jettisoned. Yeah. OK. I think for the most part, the hijinks needs to center around them uh, having further and more elaborate and more desperate attempts to try to find a store that is still selling Turbo Man. Yeah. I kind of like the idea of maybe keeping uh, something to do with the radio station with a giveaway. And I thought maybe that would be, uh, that would be what tipped them off about the fact that there was a Turbo Man at the parade. Mm -hmm. They mishear something on the radio and they think the radio station has a Turbo Man doll. When they get there, the radio station's like, no, no, what we were saying is we sponsored a, float at the parade and they're giving away a turbo man at the parade that's what we were saying yeah and they're like and that's the point where they're like we have to get to the parade and there's only one well guys yeah it's been nice working with you yeah know. and they'll just <laughs> on, blow it up on the subject of of their journey and their their getting turbo man hijinks uh, with the the Santa, um, I still want to keep that Santa. Bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was just thinking because in the, in the in the version as as is, Santa is kind of like a, a smarmy crook, right oh, from the Jim beginning, Belushi. and and that to me wasn't funny because he was a smarmy crook, and then you get to the the workshop and it's full of smarmy crooks, so there's no subversion of expectations there's nothing funny there so i like what i wanted to do is like to have have santa like be like really really helpful and really really nice you, you, and then he, he howard almost he convinces howard to follow him and then you get to the, the, the workshop, workshop. And then, yeah and then it's getting and then like it slowly dawns on howard that like oh something's weird here i like the idea that howard th- like it almost sets itself up as like a christmas miracle yeah, maybe yeah. it's because it's a christmas yeah. movie maybe it's the real santa wink yeah, who's yeah, come yeah. along with a toy just in the nick of oh no he's actually a con artist <laughs> yeah like, You're like and this is and this is some sort of not off toy come come with me thing. to my sleigh howard and then it just like it's like this old beat up <laughs> bento or something like that it takes him to an abandoned yes. warehouse yeah. where a bunch yeah. of other mall santas are great all journey where they're like they're knockoffs. driving they're driving further and further out of the city and like <laughs> that'd be great yeah and like it's getting dingier and sketchier as well, they as they go where did all the street lights go <laughs> oh no like Santa starts pulling, he starts like smoking on the way. And I do, like I do like that idea. <laughs> yeah, Howard still fights off the Santas, and then when the feds show up, he manages to still slip away, and then makes his way back to the. In my version, he makes his way back to the uh, the diner because mm-hmm. he needs like some coffee or something because that just happened, yeah. and that's where he runs back into Myron and or Ted, sure. and that's what starts the uh, the team up from that point. And then they would quickly at the next location, I assume, hook up with. Myron and or Ted, the one who didn't show up at the diner. Now, one last tweak, because um, this movie is is pretty penis heavy, I would say. <laughs> Can we gender flip uh, one of the main characters, like like uh, Myron or Ted? Or I think Myron works as a woman. Uh, mm, mm, mm. My okay, well, number one, I like where your head is at. <laughs> and I certainly uh, don't mind the idea of having other uh, other women in the cast. I think Howard's wife is still a character in our version. Um, yeah, I was just thinking, I was like, I don't know. 
I don't know what to do to get her more involved. Yeah, um, I was thinking about that too, and I couldn't really think of anything. Yeah, so I was thinking like, well, you know, if you take, I feel because like you know, I mean, like it doesn't really like a parent's journey is a parent's journey, and it doesn't matter whether it's a mother or father in my mind. So like, if, if yeah, if one or I feel two, like, of them I feel are, like if you were making this movie today, then yeah, it would it wouldn't just be three dads; it would be yeah, 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 like two dads and well, a mom. Well, if Howard's if Howard is staying Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah, um, then. One of Myron or Ted still needs to be a dad. Yeah, and I I would argue that it kind of has to be his neighbor Ted. So it would sure. have to be Phil Hartman, and we'd be sorry, Sinbad, <laughs> flipping you into uh, into a lady, Michelle Obama. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, and have and having uh, having the male carrier be a mom who's also looking for the Turbo Man toy. Yeah. Um. Would like Wanda Sykes work as like sort of like a stand-in for... Maybe. She's pretty high energy too, right? Like, my, uh, my only thing is that if we really want Arnold Howard, rather, to, uh, to connect and reflect on himself from these other two people, I kind of feel like they both have to be dads as well. Like, on the one hand, I agree with you that a parent's journey is a parent's journey, but Howard is our central character, and he's seeing himself in these two other people to an extent, and I feel like in that sense, they kind of both have to be other dads. Also, there's the subtle implication that a mom would have her stuff together ahead of time and wouldn't have been in this situation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Any parent can be a screw-up. That's true. Yep. I, I, don't I, know. Know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm torn because I think, on the one I, hand, I, think I like because the like idea. in our version because we have like we because Ted's already sort of like the thing that that Howard looks up to, and I and I as we were talking about this, I was thinking that like Myron's character almost has to be more of the antagonist throughout throughout the film because he's got to end up in the the green in the Dementor suit. costume, yeah, the, yeah, at the end. So so if he if he's not as much a mirror for. Um, for Howard, then that frees us up to do more interesting things with the character. My argument, though, is that, and this was one of the reasons I wanted to make Myron more likable, is that that way it means more that he's the one who gets the toy at the end, or she, mm-hmm. if, if we're going with mm-hmm. with a gender flipped version. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm I'm hesitant to make one of the other two dads a more overt antagonist. I really think Howard's worst enemy in this movie has to be Howard, yeah. as he as he gets more and more desperate and crazed in his efforts to get this toy that in the end, it turns out Jamie is kind of okay with not even really getting. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's part of the journey for him is to realize, Oh, I'm actually an okay dad. And I raised my son well enough that not getting a toy for Christmas. Isn't the end of the world to him. Like that's, that's kind of part of the end of his journey. I just wanted you to come to my karate class. You jerk. That's Which I had to miss because it my job is full of pressures and yeah. I'm not doing too well and I'm trying to keep a roof over mm-hmm. it. Not just because I love my job more than I love my family, which is certainly the implication in the current version of the movie. Yeah, no for sure. Well, I think we got it to like maybe a seven, seven point five. Thanks. Very right. least. <laughs> I think so. Uh anyway, we'll say well at last minute uh, fixes all. No, I think I got all my stuff in. Cool. Yeah. 
I think I think we've adequately repaired this movie. Perfect. Then we'll I uh, will uh, hand it over to the listeners. Uh, you too can get in on the note having. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll let you know what movie is coming on, and you can get your notes read on the show, just like these fine, fine folks. Starting with Nathan Martin, our good friend, and uh, does he work for Dwayne Johnson? Does, does he work for us? Does he work for us? Nathan says he's not I, getting paid. Uh, Nathan says I am out. There's no fix, no sense that could be made out of this uh, film. I mean, Phil Hartman is fine, but someone needs to explain that The Rock is perfect, and what happens if and uh, and what happens of any consequence uh, in this film. I, uh, I would disagree. I think we came up with some adequate fixes, and I think we even agreed off the top. That there's there's a salvageable idea in this movie. Oh yeah, it's just that it was really really sketchily executed on. Uh, Louise uh, sends uh, hard to fix any movie that Arnold is in, but many parents <laughs> big can... huge shot at uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's, who's been in some good <laughs> movies. T T two bah. Terrible. Uh, but many parents can relate to trying to find that toy for their child that there is suddenly a shortage. Cabbage Patch dolls, Giggling Elmo, Transformers, etc. Uh, marketing at its best. This movie is really a true story. Arl nailed the crazy pyramid. It's, well, and, and that's another thing we kind of touched on is that there's, there's an idea here that could be like a timeless Christmas movie idea. Yeah. That, again, just... Big nope. big whiff, but I would argue didn't even really try. I think yeah. that's the other thing. Uh, our good uh, good friends, uh, cinema, cinematological, it's not a movie, it's a tumor. <laughs> Who is your Santa daddy and what does he do? Uh, give me the present if you want to live. And uh, uh, strap a child attached to Tomahawk missile on a Harrier, you're fired. Oh, no. Thanks a lot, cinematological. We almost got through this episode without an Arnie accent. <laughs> so close. Uh, so close. Uh, and uh, Herman says, uh, it's stupid and not serious at all, so it's enjoyable in that sense. Sure. No. Wrong. Oh, and also, uh, our, uh, oh, our, our friends over at Repodcasting. Uh, I watched this only as an adult. Big mistake. Uh, uh, correct. Um, <laughs> Sinbad's character is mentally unstable, and Arnold's character isn't too far behind. Also, who would buy Arnold as a busy, successful businessman? He's gigantic and clearly spends the majority of his days at the gym. Uh, again, a huge slam on Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and also salespeople, for, for <laughs> yeah, that I'm matter. Gonna point, I'm gonna, and some body shaming. <laughs> I'm going to point out a weird bit of scripting in this movie. Because at one point, in the in the not in our fixed version, but in the real version, Arnold Schwarzenegger breaks into Ted's house to steal the Turbo Man doll that he had bought for his son. Because at that point, he has reached rock bottom, and uh, he gets caught, obviously, because the reindeer who hates him is in the house and yep. breaks out and messes things up. And there's a fire, and then uh, Ted and Howard's wife. Uh, who I'm embarrassed to admit, I don't remember the name. Liz. Liz. I had to look at the thing. I feel really bad. Um, burst in, and they're like, oh, we've caught you red-handed. And then uh, Liz storms out, and Howard's left like, uh. And Ted looks at him and go, you're not able to bench press your way out of this one, Howard. And storms out. And I'm like, what? What is that even in reference to? Arnold Schwarzenegger has not like implied at any point in this movie that Howard Langston is like, I'm obviously he's Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah, yeah but he is fitness. For yeah. But he's done nothing to indicate that he's into fitness in this movie. It's not an established trait. It's he's, not something yeah. that he's flaunted over Ted. Why is Ted glaring at him and going, you can't bench press your way out of this one, Howard. What? Uh, perhaps it was an ad lib or something. It was a he's, poor he, ad lib. Yeah. He's, yeah. Uh, Bill Hartman. he's wearing, <laughs> 
Uh, he's wearing like loose clothing clothing throughout most of the movie. Yeah, as well, yeah. Right? To so to like, kind of hide yeah. how jacked he is. Yeah. yeah, so that he looks a little more normal. Uh, like <laughs> every every man America. Yeah, which obviously so he's not. It was it was it was such a weird line that came out of the blue that it actually made it caught me off guard. I was legitimately like, that is that is a very strange thing for Ted to have said there. Weird. Yeah. Very uh, strange. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, thank you for, uh, thank you everyone for uh, leaving uh, some notes and uh, giving us uh, some comments. Uh, you can uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at I Have Some Notes. If you like the show, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It really helps us out. Um, if you want to check out somebody else, uh, check out the Edmonton Community Foundation. They've been making the Well Endowed podcast for more than two years now. And they're looking at ways to offer you a better listening experience, but they need your help. Take three minutes to fill out their listener survey at thewellendowedpodcast.com slash survey. Our show and others from the network are being broadcast on G Radio. Find it at gradio.ca. And you can find all the episodes uh, on this uh, podcast and all the Alberta Podcast Network podcasts on the CKOA Radio app. You can download that from the Apple App Store. We post uh, new episodes every second week. Tune in. uh, So tune in in two weeks from now for... Bonus stuff. (laughs) Well, I don't know if we're going to be posting. We probably won't see any bonus stuff until January, I think. Um, So we're not scheduled to post anymore. So this is actually, I think, the last episode of the year. Oh, there we go. So So happy happy holidays. Merry Christmas, Merry Holidays, and all that. Happy Hanukkah, if that's your thing. Absolutely. Whatever you celebrate, enjoy it. Celebrate it, and we'll uh, we'll see you in I pitched there. No, I pitched. Excuse me. No, you pitched Spider-Man to me. Yeah, I pitched you cut. Yeah, and I pitched uh, (laughs) Ghostbusters to Greg. Yeah. Yeah, the only pitch I got was like Schwarzenegger, Christmas movie. (laughs) No, that's it. That's all I got. What do you have, Scott? (laughs) I got nothing. Zany this. (laughs) Okay, I've got it. Okay. Are we, are we rolling? Oh, yeah. We've been rolling for a while. Okay. Uh, who am I pitching to, actually? Uh, you can pitch to Colin. Pitch sure. Hey, Colin. Hey, Scott. How's it going? Pretty good. It's time to make another Christmas movie. Oh, oh good. If there's one thing the world is, is definitely short of, it's a Christmas movie. That's what right. What well, have you got? It is 1996. It is. And hey. the biggest Hollywood action movie stars Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think it would be funny mm-hmm. to put him in a Christmas movie, a family Christmas movie. Okay. We'll pair him up with the hot, one of the hottest comedians today, sure. today in 1996, <laughs> okay. Sinbad. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. And sure. we're going to make it a comedy filled with all of the funniest stuff that people laugh at here in 1996 because sure. it will never get old. Okay. All right. Sure. Well, it's like what? You give me just, uh, what, are we, what are we doing? We're going to have... Sinbad and yeah. Arnold fight over trying to basically get a tickle me elbow, which is something that's very topical here in 1996. <laughs> okay. All right. I guess that could sort of work. There's no well, way this movie could fail. We're going to make tons of cash.
Tons of cash? Tons of cash. Yeah. And oh. a guaranteed sequel. What? Really? Yeah. Like right away? Oh, like no, in probably, probably in 20 years from Oh, now. well, okay, Scott. Notes, notes. I have notes. Notes. I don't think that went quite okay. as well as I thought. Okay, guys. I, I, I love what you're doing, <laughs> but it's got to be under 30 seconds. Okay. Our intro can't be a minute and a half long. Sure. Well, well, we'll tighten it up. We'll tighten it up. Okay, sure. Hey, Colin.